Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful day. We got... Style icon, Detroit Pistons beat writer, just legend of the game, one of the best beat writers in all of the country. It's James Edwards from over at The Athletic. James, how you doing, man? Award-winning beat writer, man. Congratulations. I appreciate it, man. Always glad to be on with you. Always good to, to talk with you. Um, yeah, it's it's been good getting through the season. It's been a, a little more fun covering the team last month or so. Um, but the NBA in general is has been a lot of fun this season, despite the craziness of COVID and all that stuff. But it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Love following along with what you're doing. I'm very excited for this draft class in a weird way. Um, <laughs> and you're part to blame. So thank you for having me on. That makes one of us, James, because <laughs> I've been talking about this draft class for a long time. And uh, it's, it's it's getting tough. Getting tough yeah. to find new angles, even though we don't know who half of the first round picks are going to be this year. Right. I'm just, <laughs> it's super interesting. And I think, I mean, we'll, me and you will eventually talk about it as we do every year, many times, uh, <laughs> given who I cover. But yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting class for many reasons. Yeah, today I wanted to have James on to do the all-star discussion. So we are going to talk about the all-star starters that were named last night on TNT. We're going to talk about who our choices would be for the All-Star Reserves. Uh, I like don't know if James feels the same way I do, but the Eastern Conference was an absolute bloodbath. The Western Conference, I got down to like eight names for seven guys. Like I felt pretty good about where yep. I was at in the West. Uh, the East, I am going to like hand ring myself into picks that like I still I honestly as we're talking like I still don't necessarily have it completely locked down who my picks are going to be as we get ready to talk about the Eastern yeah, Conference no, same here. it's a mess yeah there's too many guys okay uh but first I want to start on some just random NBA trade news and notes that have come across in the last 48 hours since I last recorded and just today in the time over here in Australia where I was asleep, Adrian Wojnarowski from over at ESPN has reported that the Kings have bowed out of the Ben Simmons deal in negotiations in order to essentially explore other options uh, in order to change their team. Because, uh, look, James, I don't know how much you get a chance to watch the Kings, but I'm not sure there's been a team in need of a roster shakeup uh, more in the last like four years, it, it's crazy. This team like desperately needs to like do something just to change the vibes, change everything around the team. And uh, if Daryl Morey is going to continue to hand ring and do this, I, I get it. If I'm the Kings, like I think it makes sense for them to just kind of move on and hopefully be able to get back in once this uh, trade deadline gets closer and closer, given the way that. 
Um, these negotiations often become public and the way right. the prices can tend to drop. And uh, as we get to the deadline, things can um, things can change. But for now, the Kings are out of the Ben Simmons deal. What are your thoughts originally as we uh, jump into this? Like you said at the top of the, the segment, if any team needs a shocking or major roster shakeup, it is the Kings. I agree. So when we're, all this talk was coming out of – who was going to trade for Ben Simmons realistically like we see team names and reports and we those of us on the end like know who's who's real and who's not I thought the Kings obviously were real and it is legitimate and that was one of the teams I did like because I that like you said like the Kings have been stale for many years but it's been different iterations of stale with different players in this group specifically um it needs to be they need to be shaken up and I don't know I don't know how else you would get a major shakeup without going all in on a guy like Ben Simmons. I think that they have the pieces to do individual trades or like maybe two or three trades. You could do like if you wanted to trade De'Aaron Fox and uh, Rashawn Holmes to get something nice, you might be able to if you wanted to trade Buddy separately, Harrison. So like you could probably get some nice stuff, but is it enough stuff that you're on square two instead of square one? Like I think Ben Simmons in kind of resetting – and maybe, of course, maybe being bad this year, but resetting and getting a cornerstone like that was was intriguing to me. Um, so, but I also understand the Kings' point. Like, you don't want to get you don't want to get a get pulled a fast one on you. And um, based on what we've heard about what Maury wants for Ben Simmons, I don't know if I personally would give up all of that. And I'd rather wait it out and maybe see if you can get something less or get him for less. The, the interesting part about all of this for the Kings is Tyrese Halliburton has kind of passed De'Aaron Fox in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, De'Aaron Fox has not had his best year. I think it's reasonable to assume that he will play better at some point. Tyrese Halliburton over the last like two months has been amazing. He's averaging yeah. like 17 points, nine assists, like a couple of steals a game. He rebounds reasonably well. He's starting to knock down pull-up jumpers. To me, he's the guy that you build around. I'm doing everything I can to make him the best player he can be. Yep. Trading for Ben Simmons is an interesting player for Tyrese Halliburton, given that Tyrese is a bigger point guard. He can handle the ball, but I also think I want like a secondary ball handler next to him in some respect because he's not like the most dynamic player in the NBA with the ball in his hands. He's an incredible decision maker. He's an incredible passer, incredible feel for the game. He's become a really high level pull-up shooter just in terms of his shit off the bounce. I don't think he's like the most amazing guy that you'll find in the league. Nope. Ben Simmons, I I think could help that. Yeah. The thing is that you can't have Ben Simmons and De'Aaron Fox. I don't think, I think that's that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. That's gross. That's gross to me. Uh, I, and if I were the Kings, like you said, De'Aaron just has not been good this year. And I, I don't think – I think that could be part of the uh, situation going on in Sacramento. Maybe it is uninspiring and whatever, X, Y, and Z. But, yeah, just a Simmons and De'Aaron Fox, I just don't know where that gets you. And I agree that Halliburton, that's kind of why I left him off when I said the guys that could do individual piece for. I think that's the guy you build around now because, one, um, like you said, he's just made major improvements. I think he's exceeded – we all kind of like we all liked him coming in the draft, but I, I kind of just thought he would be what well, he showed as a rookie. I was like, I could see him just doing that for 
10 years and be a really good player, but he's taken it to another level. Um, and I think he's one of those – well, he is one of those guys where can play on the ball, off the ball, and obviously much better than Fox – and you you can just build around that much easier. It's similar, obviously, situation in Detroit with Cade. Like when you get a guy like that, um, the flexibility in terms of roster building just is enormous. So, um, Halliburton, I agree, is the one untouchable if I were the Kings. Of course, unless something crazy comes up, but um, and especially in a Ben Simmons trade, I wouldn't give up Halliburton. That's the guy I would pushing forward. That's the guy I would want to keep around if I can. And if I was Daryl Morey. I don't know how interested I would be in De'Aaron Fox as a fit with Joel Embiid. Because so much of what De'Aaron Fox does is based off speed, transition. De'Aaron plays hard defensively. He's not an awesome defender at this point. I I would need a good amount more, I guess, in addition to De'Aaron Fox to move Ben Simmons for him. And I don't know if the Kings will want to do that. Uh, it's a weird finding something that makes sense for Sacramento for Ben Simmons has always been a little bit tricky for me. You can find iterations that make a lot of sense for Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. Halliburton healed Harrison Barnes. All those guys can really help. But if you're moving Halliburton and you're pairing Ben Simmons with De'Aaron Fox, it doesn't make a ton of sense. If you're pairing De'Aaron Fox with Joel Embiid, it doesn't make a crazy amount of sense to me. So, I understand the idea of just wanting to get the best talent that you can. And Monty McNair comes from the Daryl Morey, Houston Rockets tree. Um, you know, I, I understand the idea that he might want to go down that road of just getting the guys in that you want, and then you can build the roster around them in the way that you see fit. Whenever you have core pieces, I think, that don't fit quite as well together, I think that that idea becomes a bit more challenging. Um yeah, I understand the Kings bowing out, and I'll be interested to see what the Kings do because, good Lord, again, please, Sacramento, <laughs> do, make a trade. Do like, something. Dude, you're driving Alvin Gentry to drink. Like, yeah. please, <laughs> please He's too nice of a guy. I don't, want to, I don't like seeing Gentry stressed out. He's like the nicest guy in the league. Uh, yeah, one of, uh, seriously, the first time I ever met Alvin Gentry was probably three years ago at, mm-hmm. um, at the NBA Draft Combine. And... You know, I I was just ran into him in the like one of the hotel lobbies where the yeah. NBA teams are staying and everything, and um, you just kind of run into people down there. And he knew exactly who I was. Couldn't have been the nice like couldn't That's have been cool. a nicer person in the world. Just like such a good such a good dude. Um, and yeah. you're driving that man to drink. Like please <laughs> please do something for the love Stop of God. Stop it, goddamn it, Sacramento. <laughs> Stop it. Stop making such a yeah. nice man uh, struggle through uh what you're putting him through okay uh the can second I ask, can, can i ask you yeah, something yeah, on your, so we mentioned off the pod we're going to maybe mention jeremy and obviously sacramento is a place that they could shift their jeremy attention grant. to yeah jeremy grant if you're detroit who wants what's a, what deal would you like on set from sacramento if there is one if you could get so i'm in tr- part of me is like so my answer, I think, is I, I don't love it. Yeah. Uh, given the way that this draft sets up at the top, I, I, it's hard for me to find. It's hard for me to find a move. Like I think there's an there's a real nugget of an idea behind Rashawn Holmes and Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. 
The problem is the Kings don't have any bigs behind Rashawn Holmes. So they're going to have to bring a big man back. Right. I don't think I'd want to move Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant to get Rashawn Holmes. Like, I I don't, I mean, like, I don't think I'd want to move. I don't think I would want Buddy Heald, really, if I was Detroit. Right. Um, Even though, like, his shooting would fit next to Cade Cunningham and actually would really help them, I guess. Maybe yeah. I, maybe that's not terrible. For it would years. help them, but it's like, do they want to be helped right now? Yeah, and his deal's pretty big. Like, it's two yeah. years for $38 million, and Buddy's in the midst of the worst season of his career uh, in Sacramento <laughs> yeah. so far. Um, I don't know if I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the idea of Rashawn Holmes and having, like, an incredible rim runner uh, and mm-hmm. roll man and like short roll man for Cade Cunningham is really, really interesting to me. And yeah. there's like a nugget of an idea there in terms of Jeremy Grant for Sean Holmes. I just don't know that I can come up with like the structure of it that makes sense, I guess. No, I agree. That, that's kind of where I was at. Obviously, Halliburton is a no. Uh, De'Aaron just doesn't fit. And that's probably too much for Jeremy. And um, yeah, you look at Rashawn, fits in need, the Pistons. Could he, is Isaiah Stewart still improving? They could use a rim running athletic big man. That's one thing that's kind of lacking on the roster. So, yeah, I feel like if there is something to be there, which I, like you, I don't think there will be. I think Holmes will be involved. Maybe like a future. F- I can see them going for Holmes or like a future. F- I don't know. It's a it's a weird fit. I don't I don't I don't see anything materializing with Sacramento. Sneaky, not for Grant at least. The problem is, I think that. I personally would rather have Rashawn Holmes than Jeremy Grant Fair. if I was Detroit. Yep. I would bet you that both teams feel the opposite way in regard yeah. to that, which would mean like a difficult negotiation. I would for sure. Yeah, I um, the other funny trade report that came out was from Mark Stein, I believe. Uh, he said that uh, the Pacers are looking for two first round picks from Karis LeVert. So if that's the case, Karis LeVert's not getting traded. <laughs> I'm looking for seven figures from the athletic. It's not yeah. happening. You can ask. Like, I guess you can ask, but like, what are, I mean, look, Karis is a good player. Like I really actually am higher on Karis than I think yeah. most people are. I like um, Karis a lot. Yeah. Really good pick and roll creator, really good isolation creator that I think actually scales up in the playoffs a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. despite the shooting, because you really have to account for him at all times on the court. Uh, his playoff record with the Nets was really strong, actually. Um, you go back and you look at like the series he played there. It was pretty good. The problem is that he's two years left at 17 million. And I don't think that contract is terrible. Right. But who, who's your market for Karis LeVert? The Lakers, the more I think about it, they probably can't do it because he's not a good enough shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cavs, I think the Cavs are a reasonable one, but the Cavs aren't giving up two future first because their window is extended. Right. You might be able to get Colin Sexton. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think that that's interesting. But for Levert, I don't think you're getting two first round picks in Cleveland. I don't think that there's salary matching that can happen in Milwaukee or in Brooklyn. Um, I mean, like, it's funny. I would like Memphis. Memphis makes sense, but I don't know that he fits what Memphis does. Like, I've been trying to find a way to get like a Memphis upgrade. Yeah. You could maybe make a a case for that. Yeah, oh, that's a like, fair point. But the, the name that I keep coming up with for Memphis is Eric Gordon. Um, like I like, I, I like yeah, I like the idea of getting another good defender in there who's tough, who's physical, big body. 
um, can also really knock down shots, which is something that's important to them. They yeah. can do something like one of those three first round picks they have this year, Kyle Anderson and the Jarrett Culver contract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and get Eric Gordon. I think that would actually be a pretty good deal for everyone involved. Um, but yeah, if, Harris LeVert for two first round picks ain't going to happen, Indiana. No. <laughs> if, if Indy comes down on that price, what do you think about something center, centered around? And I'm just, this kind of just came off. As we were talking about, I hadn't really thought about it all the way through yet, but a Kevin Herter Levert swap in some way. Are you a fan or no? It'd be it'd be too tricky because Herter has the um has the poison pill right now because he's oh, does he? oh, in right. October. The only right. move that you can really involve Herter in, uh, if you are Atlanta, is the Ben Simmons deal if you attach Tobias Harris to Ben Simmons. Okay. Because the numbers get so big at that point in terms of yeah. the salary that you're moving, like you're moving like literally 65, 70 million dollars each way. Right. Right. That the poison pill in terms of like the 125 percent rule with trades mm-hmm. becomes much more manageable at that point. OK. OK. But in like a normal trade, it's going to be too tough to yeah. move Herder because he counts for like four million um, for the team that's trading him and then like i think it's like 16 million or something for the team that is acquiring him it's okay. it's a it, complicated i forgot about the poison pill that thing. he had so yeah, yeah that is that's off the table all right well i was spitballing um yeah. yes i like um, eric gordon in memphis though yeah I've, I've been here in cleveland but i like memphis more i like eric gordon in cleveland too i mean yeah. it, the problem is again if you're cleveland i would be 10 percent worried i wouldn't be like fully worried i'd be like a little bit worried I, I would really need to protect that pick if I was sending yeah. it to Houston. <laughs> yeah. Um, because if I was Houston, what I'd be at asking for for Eric Gordon, honestly, is like a future first round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be looking for a 2023 pick as opposed to a 2022 pick because I think this draft is kind of a mess right now. Yeah. And if you're Cleveland and you're moving a future pick, I would be just a little bit worried that they're playing above their weight just a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. And even if they revert, like we've seen Atlanta revert this year, uh, we've seen the Suns in the past, like the team yep. that always stands out in my mind with this is like the Jeff Hornacek Suns that won like 49 games and missed the playoffs. And they were the 10th seed or something like that, right? They were, yeah, the 10th seed. And then they um, reverted back to like a 31 team after that. Yep. I think Cleveland's on the rise. I think that Evan Mobley's awesome and it's probably going to stop them from having that happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I wouldn't. I would really want to protect any future pick that I send I'm out with you. on Cleveland. I would say, but I, I don't mind the Eric Gordon fit there. I think that's a reasonable one. Okay, we've gone for 18 minutes on trades. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go and move into the All Stars because we wanted to do that. All Star starters were named last night. In the West, we've got Stephen Curry, John Morant, Nikola Jokic, um, LeBron James, and Andrew Wiggins. In the East. We've got DeMar DeRozan and Trey Young. We've got uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. James voted on All-Star Starters as part of the media. Um, How similar did that look to yours? Um, Everybody in the West, except Wiggins, obviously. I had Gobert. Um, And then in the East, which was obviously tough, um, I had Fred Van Vliet over Trey. I I I know Trey. I know Trey is um, 
obviously having a phenomenal offensive season. The all-star game, people don't care about two-way guards, those little <laughs> bulldogs like Fred Van Vliet, so I get that. But um, And while the Hawks have played better as of late, I, I just didn't really want to reward Trey, who doesn't even try defensively. So that's like the basketball nerd in me coming out. Like I know people don't give a damn for the all-star game, but like Fred has been so good offensively, so good defensively. Pascal Siakam was missing for like a good part of the season. He He's kind of just come around as of late. That Raptors team isn't as good as I, as the record is to me. I, like I like them, but I feel like they're, they're still like a guy away. So for them to be in the position they're in, I just really wanted to reward Fred. Um, and then obviously Wiggins is, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but the, got the nation behind him of the nation of Canada, and, and everybody hates Rudy uh, Gobert. Yeah, and apparently some K-pop uh, yeah, stars. Yeah, yeah. Shout out thing. to Anthony Slater with the K-pop story. And yeah, yeah. Everybody hates Rudy Gobert, so he was the one to benefit from that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the players had Rudy Gobert relatively low as well. Yep. <sighs> so. Look, <laughs> let's um, I, I think that the West was fine. Like I probably would have gone John Morant over Devin Booker. Devin Booker would have been number three for me um, mm-hmm. in terms of the front court. The front court in the West is weird this year just because there's been so many injuries. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Draymond Green missed some time. Yeah. Anthony I, Davis. Anthony Davis as well. I personally would have picked Draymond Green. But that's not a surprise to listeners of this show. Uh, yeah, I thought about it. Draymond Green is like, you know, the best. I, I love Draymond Green unconditionally. Same. Um, in the East, I probably would have gone Trey and Damar. And I would have gone with all three of those guys. So, like, I, I don't really have a lot of complaints in terms oh. of the all-star starters. I also don't really care that Andrew Wade <laughs> yeah. is an all-star. I don't. I don't like, either. It's look, Andrew Wiggins has had a very strange career and going back to being called Maple Jordan, he was like the number one recruit in the country. He was like the next LeBron, everything Mm -hmm. like that. And it seems like just given his personality, he's like a pretty quiet guy, pretty reserved. Uh, That that's not something he asked for. Right. Mm -hmm. So for him to go from like essentially like pariah in Minnesota where everyone hated his contract, seemed like people were mostly done with him, to reframe the narrative of his career in Golden State and become a guy that I think people are like good with watching and he's become a successful part of a really good team. I I like it. Like I I like the story. Same. I'm I'm not going to make a case that he should be an all-star. I'm not going to like make a case based off of basketball. Right. Right. But it's, it's an all-star game and it's Andrew Wiggins and I'm just not going to get too up in arms about the whole thing, I guess. Like congrats. I I would rather be congratulatory toward Andrew Wiggins than like parse and hem and haw about, uh, you know, the whole experience of voting. I agree. Like you said, it's the all-star game. Who who really cares? It's the fans. It's a game for the fans, and the fans spoke whether or not that's uh, due to it, him being from a country that obviously wanted to get him in. Great. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's what happened. Um, 
he's been really good this year. First, I think that's like buried the lead. Yeah. Like he's been really good this year, as you he mentioned. He's probably being par- been a top twenty-five player in the West, something yep. like that. For sure. Like I don't think if he would have made the All Star game just in general, not even a starter. Like I wouldn't have batted nine because he's been fine. He's like you said, he's been one of the best twenty-five guys in the, in the West. Um, and like, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't. To me, like, does he deserve to start based on performance? No, but like, does he deserve to be an all star? Yeah, you can make a case that he's an all star. Like, I wouldn't if somebody really wanted to fight for it. Uh, I I would I wouldn't bad an eye. Like, he's been good this year. Yeah, he's a really good defender. I mean, you watch him last night. I mean, like, yeah. he was defending his balls off, and like, he can actually shoot now. Like, he's a really useful player. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make case he's like a you know, phenomenal player who's, you know, among, you know, one of the five best players in the Western Conference. But I'm just not going to, you know, not going to complain that he's in the All-Star game and we need a referendum on how we, <laughs> uh, you know, pick the All-Star starters. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Just not going to, not going to dive into that world here. Uh, I understand if people want to do it, but I'm not going to do it. It's a, um, it's a half-ass, it's a half-ass process for a, a half-ass game. It's it's all entertainment, yeah. Right. Like if you really want if you really wanted to do it, I mean I, I'm sure you saw some player votes. Like we had Mimi Escada, we had um Kelvin Corey Johnson Joseph. had like eleven votes, Corey Joseph had votes, like um you know, Jonathan Kaminga got a vote. Like it, yep. it's just as much as it's fans um mm-hmm. that picked Andrew Wiggins, the players also played a significant role in this as well. Uh, you know, the media played a significant role in this. Like it's, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with involving everyone in the process. Do I wish that players would take it more seriously? And like, uh, you know, uh, people like Nimi Kato wouldn't get a vote. Yeah, right. I do. And, and like, the, honestly, there were probably like a hundred votes that were like pretty indefensible for yep. what the purpose of this was, but like, whatever it's, it's an all-star game. Like, let's just and then not go crazy. That's like content in itself. <laughs> like, people love seeing who the random player is that guy. I don't know. It's just all – this whole all-star experience is, is content-driven. And as long as it's not goofy come all NBA time, I'm fine with it. Right. So, Andrew Wiggins, just for reference here, he's averaging 18 points, four rebounds, two assists per game. He's shooting 48% from the field, 41% from three. Uh, He's played really, really high-level defense. I wouldn't quite say he's like an all-defense team guy, but I would say that you know he has been a very positive defender on what has been the best defensive team in the NBA this season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, look, good player. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna like sit here and parse with it. Okay, uh, let's take a quick commercial break, and we will get into our All-Star Reserve starting with the Eastern Conference. Which, what a bloodbath! What an absolute <laughs> bloodbath! We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. 
some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, we're back, and we are going to dive into our picks for Eastern Conference reserves for the All-Star game. I have eight names here because, per Chris Haynes last night, it seems unlikely that Kevin Durant is going to play in the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. uh, he's currently dealing with an injury right now, and we'll see how it goes, obviously. Like, maybe he'll play, maybe he won't. So, I've got a list of eight names here. Two guards, three front court guys, and three wild cards. In the West, I have two backcourt, three front court, two wild cards because currently nobody's injured. And doesn't look like anyone is going to miss time. Knock on wood that, you know, nobody's going to miss time. So, okay. I want to start by, in the East, by going through guys that I just like no question put on the team. I had no no real questions about Zach Levine. Nope. Uh, Zach Levine is averaging 25 points, five rebounds, four assists. He's shooting 49, 40, 87 from the field. He's been just a very small step below DeMar DeRozan, who is mm -hmm. a rightful all-star starter. The Bulls have been one of the best stories of the NBA season so far. They've been one of the best teams uh, in the Eastern Conference so far. I think Zach Levine is a no-doubter, no-brainer all-star. Uh, any any thoughts there? I'm with you. Uh, if it wasn't, if I didn't vote FVV, uh, Levine would have been number was my number two. So I think I think he should be a starter. He's starter worthy more than Trey in my eyes. But I yeah I digress. So I'm with you on that. Okay. Next up, I have Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is averaging twenty one six and six. 
He is the best player on the best team in the East. Uh, he missed about 15 games early in the season. And I think that that is a big part of the reason why he was unable to even enter the starter conversation, really. But I think he is, given his defensive ability, given his shot making, given how he's just kind of the identity of the best team in the East, and also that he's been able to carry Miami on this run here lately, while Bam Adebayo has missed some time throughout the course of the season, he's a no-brainer all-star to me. And he will be in the front court. Agreed. Um, Like you said, best player on best team. The way he's been playing lately, um, even beginning of the season, just when he missed all those, just because he missed all those games, like we should probably have Jimmy Butler MVP conversations. I don't think he'll win it, but he should be in the discussion, Um, especially with how he's been performing as of late. He's no brainer. Um, I felt bad leaving somebody, well, him. Uh, off the starter i usually like to have somebody from the best team but he missed weight he was missed too many games uh but yeah he's been a monster he's been he's been jimmy the last guy here that i have as a no doubter is james hart and i thought about putting him into this next bucket of players who's like kind of competing for um essentially four spots right five spots counting kevin durant but you look at what he's done over the course of essentially since the calendar turned. I mean, he's basically back to being James Harden. Like he's averaging 26, 11 and eight. <laughs> he's shooting yeah. 44 from the field, 34 from three and 85 from the line. He's been a bit less efficient than what he typically is. But like, I, I feel like James Harden is, it, it's hard to get past 26, 11 and eight uh, over the course of essentially you know, half the season if you want to push it back uh, and include the previous games before that. So uh, it's, to me, James Harden probably has to be on the team, even though I have some reservations in a way that I typically don't with James Harden. I'm glad you said that last part because I was actually talking with Vinny Goodwill when we were just discussing our ballots and we both were just kind of over Harden just based on how he started the year and just really half-assing it like it was bad like there's no other ways like the, he it was just really bad and um i didn't want to reward that personally on my ballot um but he has played very well as of late i think he should be a reserve um but if you were talking about your wild card group i would probably have him more in the wild card group yeah. than a lock reserve just because i thought he was he's, he was just so bad for the first month, month and a half. Okay. So my, my next group here, we have essentially five spots remaining, including the Duran injury. I've got at the guard position, Fred Van Vliet, Darius Garland, LaMelo Ball, Bradley Beal. In the forward positions, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Pascal Siakam, Miles Bridges, Demonis Sabonis, Jarrett Allen, Chris Middleton. It's a it's a joke. I mean, it, it's yeah. honestly a joke. Like that they, team might beat the starters. <laughs> it's in, it's insane. They're yeah. so good. Like they yeah. they are. Th- this this is like an absolute bloodbath. To have to pick five guys of that group is exceptionally difficult. Super. Um, the the first guy for me. Yeah, was, was the guy who was a starter for you, Fred VanVleet. 
I wanted to reward Fred Van Vliet. He's been one of the best defensive guards in the NBA this season, in addition to being one of the best lead guard uh, scorers, creators in the NBA. To me, so the, the conversation that I've seen has centered often around Darius Garland and Fred Van Vliet. People yeah. look at Darius Garland's passing and try to make a case for him over Fred based off of that. The level to which Fred is a better defender than Darius Garland just kind of <laughs> supersedes all of this. Like, yes, Darius is a slightly better passer than Fred Van Vliet is. Fred is one of the like seven or eight best guard defenders in the NBA, and Darius Garland is a below average defender. So yeah. I have Fred Van Vliet over Darius Garland. I have Fred Van Vliet locked into one of my wild card slots. I would imagine that you don't really have a uh, you, you don't have a argument with that, given that you voted Fred Van Vliet as a starter. Nope, I love it. I I think he deserves playing nearly forty minutes a night having his most efficient season like you said one of the best defenders and guard i mean and guard defenders in the league no no beef at all i I was hoping fred got the starter spot okay let's go to the forward spots because this is where i really struggle we've got tatum we've got jared allen damana sabonis pascal siakam jalen brown miles bridges chris middleton it's a big group yeah the top guy for me on that list was Jason Tatum. I have him. I know he's not having the most efficient year, but he's been pretty good defensively. The Celtics, he's averaging 26 points a game, eight and a half rebounds, four assists. Mm-hmm. I would still like to see him move the ball a little bit better. I would still like to see him be a bit more efficient. Here's the thing. We've complained about how bad the Celtics are throughout the course of the season <laughs> and how frustrating they've been to watch. Celtics outscore opponents by nine points per 100 possessions when Jason Tatum is out there. Jason Tatum is the last part of the problem for the Celtics. Yep. I have Jason Tatum as my number two forward um, behind Jimmy Baller uh, in these in this uh, discussion. I'm with you. I Like you said, um, that's why I hate doing a pod with you because you're so damn smart. Like I feel like I'm just recycling what you're saying, but – well, yeah, like he's he's the last problem on the Celtics, and he's he's been putting up good good numbers. Uh, again, I think a lot of people like to say part of the Celtics problem, and they give it maybe a little, they bold it a little bit more than it should be, but it is a problem is the lack of ball movement between the two stars and uh, creating for others. But I mean, it's not the greatest roster. Um, they're still figuring things out. Tatum's a monster. I, I just. Like you said, with a Harden, you kind of just look at that statistical threshold. It's kind of hard to leave that guy off. We're, we're going to get into the, uh, the the take experience here coming up uh, yes. with one of my picks. Don't worry. <laughs> yes. uh, I really want to get, not just because the game is in Cleveland, but I think that you need a representative from the Cavs. In some regard, this team is good for a reason. They are 30 and 19 so far this year at time of recording. Uh-huh. They are one of the best defenses in the NBA. Uh, none of this is fluky. Like they've played the sixth hardest schedule in the NBA. They're outscoring their opponents by a, a good margin. Like nothing that they've done is fluky. So trying to find the middle ground between all of the disparate pieces with the Cavs is hard because. 
Darius Garland is what keeps them afloat on offense. He's like the biggest reason that they are able to uh, take advantage of their defense. Yep. I think Evan Mobley is the most important defender on their team because he unlocks their three big lineup that takes, uh, you know, so much uh, space up on the court, essentially, yep. and makes it harder for opposing teams to get into their sets, to score in the uh, paint, to do everything. Mm-hmm. I think both of those guys are players that I had like real internal discussions on. My pick ended up being Jared Allen. Um, <laughs> I knew that was coming. I like that. I thought that he represented the middle ground between Darius Garland and Evan Mobley really well. Great point. And you look at how effective he is offensively as a scorer. He is, uh, Averaging 16 points, 11 rebounds. He's shooting 69% from the field. Uh, I've long been like a skeptic of Jarrett Allen's actual value defensively up until this year. The Mm -hmm. Cavs have unlocked his ability to protect the rim. They've unlocked his length at the basket. He has been phenomenal around the basket this season. The question between Jarrett Allen and Damanis Sabonis will come up, right? Because Demonis yeah. Sabonis is averaging, I think, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. So the counting stats favor Demonis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. When you watch Indiana, it feels like to me there's like this weird push-pull between Rick Carlisle like running what he wants to eventually implement and like trying to utilize some of the stuff that has made Demonis Sabonis so good over the years, like running triple handoffs away from the basket and, you know, doing some like mid posty stuff. Like it's, it, it feels like they haven't totally unlocked him yet. No. And while the numbers are very good, I don't feel like his impact is quite as felt for me for some reason this year. Uh, when I watch the Pacers. Look, they're, they're not very good either. Like right. part of that could be that reason, right? They're 17 and 32 at time of recording this podcast. So like yeah. part of me doesn't want to reward a team that's, you know, 17, 32. And I know that like the Pacers, a lot of it's just been close games, but like it's also when I watch them, like it just doesn't feel like Sabonis is having quite as good of a year as he has the last couple of years. I agree. And I think what you said, the, the caveat of, the impact and like yes the numbers are really good um but like you have to watch the pacers to kind of understand it's like it 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 it, i struggle to put it into words like if anybody hasn't watched the pacers and are like wondering looking at someone like how someone's not an all-star like if you watch there's not the fear of god no he doesn't put the fear of god in anybody um he, he puts up good numbers but i don't think opposing big man is going in there afraid to guard Sabonis I don't think they're afraid to take it to Sabonis on the other end he's they're working out kinks that that roster is we've talked about it for I mean it feels like years now like the roster is just weird um Carlisle himself is trying to figure out the best way to use Sabonis seems like naturally he wants him to step out and shoot some more threes Sabonis is kind of reluctant to do it um it's it's a mess, and, and this is not to discredit Sabonis's development and where he is as a player. Like I still classify him as an All Star level player, but his impact just has not been the same this year. It just 
I don't know. When well, I think it, of All Star, I think of yeah. th- does this person put the fear into somebody also? Like, and I just Sabonis doesn't just seem like a fearful guy this year. Yeah, and look, like we're comparing him to Jared Allen. I don't know that Jared Allen puts the fear in people, but I think he probably does defensively to some extent. Yeah. Whenever that's what I, that's where my yeah drive onto the interior. Um, the Pacers are about the same offensively right now, whether Demonis Sabonis is off the court or whether he's on the court. Um, they're better defensively when he's on the court right now because they just hemorrhage offensive rebounds whenever mm-hmm. he's off the court. Um, like it's staggering how bad their rebounding <laughs> is outside of Domanus Sabonis. And to yeah. some extent, I think that like um, it's worth uh, attributing that value to him. Fair. I just couldn't quite get there with Sabonis. I think that the production from Jarrett Allen and his ability to create space for Darius Garland uh, by being such an impactful roller to the rim, um, it is close enough to Sabonis's value offensively, even though it does not exceed Sabonis's value offensively, to where, mm-hmm. to me, Jared Allen, who has been, I, I wouldn't quite have him as an all defense big man this year, but he's in the conversation. It's damn as close, an yeah. Defense, you know, forward this year, all defense center, whatever he's going to be classified as. Um, I think that that exceeds Demonis's value, and that's why I have Jared Allen. Uh, as an all-star and plus it is nice to have someone from Cleveland given that the game is going to be in Cleveland. yes um, I like the way that you put that he's the proper middle ground it's like I would obviously he's not the most flashy player and he's not a creator with the ball but I would call Jared Allen a BB on both sides of the B plus B a B a B plus on both sides of the floor and then I would call like Garland B plus C minus and then Mobley A minus on defense and then maybe just like it's B minus C plus on offense right now. Like I think that's just a good middle ground. Um, Jarrett does everything you've asked ask of him at a high level, and I think that's that's important. Um, the one guy I was really hoping, and this is obviously I'm biased with this one in the way he started the year, but he obviously cooled off, but has had some moments since then. Is Miles Bridges? I thought that would be cool for him to kind of work his way in there. I think he's probably um, if how many? Why am I having a blank? How many total reserves are there? So on the, there on the are actual team, seven, and then we're adding a spot because of Kevin Durant. So yeah, eight as I, of you know, we're going eight right now. We've locked in James Harden, Zach Levine, Jimmy yeah. Butler, Jason Tatum, Fred VanVleet, and Jared Allen. So that's six. So we have two spots left. We've got two spots for. Oof. Drew Holiday, Darius Garland, LaMelo Ball, Bradley Beal, Miles Bridges, Demonis Sabonis, Chris Middleton, Pascal Siakam, uh, and Jalen Brown. So, <laughs> okay. Um, when I watch the Hornets, I think LaMelo is the more impressive player. Yes. I know that I, I know that Miles' numbers are a little bit better in terms of the counting numbers. I... When I watch Lamello the Hornets, unlocks I'm like, all that. the guy. <laughs> like, yeah, he unlocks. He unlocks all that. So to me, Lamelo above Bridges. Um, the the next question for me is Darius Garland, Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, Lamelo. I'm, I'm good with another guard there. Mm-hmm. The guy that I have in the spot right now, and I'm willing to be talked out of it, but the guy I have right now is Drew Holiday. 
That's and, fine with me. I was hoping you didn't say Bradley Beal. Like Bradley to me is like I don't even want to have him in part of the discussion with the group you named. So like I think that we're kind of I, I understand that, but yeah. yeah, I think there's like a little bit of harshness on Beal this year. Uh, you look at what the passing is like. He's been awesome as a distributor this year compared mm-hmm. to last year. Like he's been so so good getting them, you know, playing next to Spencer Dinwiddie often and getting them in and out. Like I get that the defense is bad, but um, and he's still averaging 24 a night. He's making a more concerted effort to play team basketball this year. The Wizards were really good to start the year. Like and I know that Bradley Beal did not start the year awesomely, but like. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't get Beal. I still in. love like, him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have Bradley Beal as an all star. But with you. you start comparing the numbers next to <laughs> Darius Garland, and they're not far off. Like right. they're actually, you know, there's a pretty real case that you should pick Beal over Darius right. Garland. Right. So that that's kind of why I think you have to throw him in. I would have Lamelo over both of those guys. I ultimately went with Drew Holiday over Lamelo because. Drew Holiday is just such a ridiculous defender. He mm-hmm. is averaging 18 points, five rebounds, six assists, uh, turning the ball over at a very low level. And look, like you just watch Milwaukee, like so much of their identity is obviously Giannis, but like Drew Holiday has slid right into that so, so well. Uh, I, I personally would have him as Milwaukee's second all-star over Chris Middleton. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, I think that, Drew's been a little bit better offensively this year. Like Chris isn't having his most efficient season shooting from the mid range. And, uh, you know, obviously isn't nearly as impactful defensively as Drew Holiday. So when I watch Milwaukee, I think that Drew is their second best player right now. And then like the defense again versus LaMelo is just like a big difference for me. Um, Yeah. 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 I I went Drew Holiday in this uh, in this other spot here in my second wild card. I like that you actually talked me into it um, as you were going because I would have sounded – I definitely think in my mind and how I tend to vote, um, I like to, as, as I mentioned with my FVV pick, I really like to – if a guy has good enough offensive production, if he's a borderline elite defender, I like to reward that guy just because that's basketball. Like You, you have to pay both sides of the floor. I know it's not glamorous, but – there are guys who do it and do it at a great and high level. Um, so with that said, <laughs> that would contradict my kind of FVV over Trey if I said Drew over – if I said LaMelo over Drew. Um, but there's part of me that wanted somebody from Charlotte to be represented because, of course, I, th- I think we – I think some of us thought like they could be okay, but I don't know if we expected wh- – where are they right now? Fifth, sixth in the East? Just the two games back from Milwaukee, um, so like I, I'd like to, I tend to want to like have have a mas- like have them have a mascot at the Eastern at the uh, All Star game. So that's where I struggle a little bit with not having Lamelo. Uh, but you're correct. I mean, Drew. I mean, we, we don't need to say anything about Drew. Like we know what he is. The turnovers this year, like you said, I think that's a great caveat. Like especially with how much he's handling the ball and um, how much he's doing on the defensive end like the dude just is a machine so i agree i like drew um and this is our last spot our joint last spot right there's not yeah, one more uh, I, I have a case that i want to make 
Uh, Go ahead, do it. Pascal Siakam. He's picked it up lately. I think that Pascal Siakam has been one of the 20 best players, maybe 15 best players in the NBA uh, Mm -hmm. over the course of his last, you know, 20 games. Like since Toronto has went on this run where I think they've won like 15 of their last 25 or so, they've pulled it up to where they've been awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're back a little bit over. I think they're either 500 or one game over 500. Um, they're sitting in seventh right now in the Eastern Conference. Siakam's the guy. Like yeah. He's averaging over that time. 23 points, nine rebounds, six assists. He's playing plus defense. Like he's kind of like the, the game between him and Fred Van Vliet has been unbelievable. I know mm-hmm. that we have two Raptors on this team, uh, or at least that I would be voting for two Raptors, and that is not necessarily ideal for everyone. Um, the it's an options, individual honor. You're right. I mean, you're right. So the the other option is Jalen Brown, who's averaging 24, 7, and 3, shooting 45 from the field, 36 from 30, 78 from the line. Again, playing plus defense, especially on the ball. How many games think, has he missed? So he's missed about 15 and Siakam has certainly missed some time as well. And at the beginning of the year, Siakam was not incredible. Like (laughs) Jalen Brown's played 33 games or uh, Jalen Brown's played 35. Pascal Siakam's played 33. Um, Look, it's, it's toss up between these two. I, Personally, go Siakam because the the level that Siakam, when he has played at his best, over nobody these last un, nobody has reached that of that group we're talking about. Over these last twenty five games, I don't think anyone among this group has quite been as consistently great as Siakam has been. Agreed. Jalen Brown, I think there's a real case for. I, I would not. If someone wants to pick Jalen Brown, I would get it. If someone wants to pick Lamelo Ball, I would get it. Um, I guess if someone wants to pick Sabonis, like Pascal Siakam versus versus Sabonis, um, Siakam's numbers are just better. He's averaging mm-hmm. more assists even with, than Sabonis, which like is kind of part of Sabonis's value, right? And obviously Siakam is playing better defense than Sabonis. Um, yeah. Between the two, I don't really think there's a case for Sabonis over Siakam. Miles um, Bridges so, is, is just kind of falling off in terms of shooting. If yeah. someone wants to pick Chris Middleton, like I, I would get that. I wouldn't personally, but I would get that. I would get Jalen Brown. I'd get LaMelo Ball. I can't quite get there on Darius Garland because of the defense. I mean, like, who, where are you at on this? And again, I might just be a hypocrite right now. I don't care. I, I do think Charlotte should be rewarded. Okay. Um, and so I'm going to go LaMelo. Okay. I, I agree with you. Of the group we're mentioning, nobody's – Consistent greatness has reached that of Pascal's. Um, I agree with you that Brown, when healthy, we talk about the two-way player this whole podcast, as excellent of a two-way player as it gets. Um, Garland, the defense is just too bad, but then I'm sitting here picking LaMelo, who I think LaMelo at least has some like instinctual stuff that makes it okay. Um, but I guess, and, we, and Drew, I mean, who doesn't love Drew? But I... As much as this is an individual honor, I still tend to just feel bad if like a team that is overachieving 
in the eyes of some, like doesn't isn't represented. So I'm going to go Lamelo. It's kind of the same reason I didn't have Trey starting uh, because of how even though they've won a bunch in a row or they've won a bunch of their last seven or something like that, it, they're just underperformed. So I, I'm contradicting myself and not contradicting myself. I'm just going to shut up and pick Lamelo. Yeah, Lamelo's averaging 19.7 rebounds, seven assists. He's shooting 42 from the field, 36 from three, 89 from the line. I think there's a real case for Lamella. I, I don't really yeah. have a problem with the pick. Uh, he's been great recently as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's. I think it's totally rationable, rational, reasonable pick. Rationable. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, no, I think it's fine. Okay. So are you going Pascal? Just I'm to... going Pascal. You're okay. going Lamella. I think that's. Yep. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at on this. Um, We're sorry, okay. Drew. Sorry to. Well, no, no, no. no. We got Drew Holiday. In. Oh, we. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so our oh, yeah, final Eastern Conference All-Stars here. We got Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Yasin Tedekumpo, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant. We've got James Harden and Zach Levine in the backcourt. We've got Jimmy Butler, uh, Jason Tatum, and Jarrett Allen in the front court. We've got Fred Van Vliet and Drew Holiday as our wild cards. And then finally, we have Pascal Siakam replacing Kevin Durant uh, in the lineup. Okay. Love it. The West, we've got John Morant, Stephen Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Nikola Jokic, LeBron James. The guards, I think, are kind of easy. I went the Phoenix backcourt. I went Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Same. Uh, okay. I mean, I felt bad that one of them, I didn't have one of them as a starter, but Jaws just been, I mean, we don't got to say it. We know how crazy Jaws been, but yeah, I, I got both of those guys. And, and by the way, the real fuck up here with the NBA. Just make it like, you know, two front court, two back court, and like a wild card or something. Yes. Like that, like that yep. way you can just get Devin Booker into the starting lineup. Like that's mm-hmm. the easiest way. Or Luka Doncic if you want. Like wh- whoever your pick is here, I- I'd personally pick Devin Booker over Luka Doncic. But like I just do something like that. Like maybe yep. that's the adjustment if you want to do one. Um, okay. I like that idea. In the front court, Luka Doncic. Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert were my three. Same here. No no complaints. Um, I voted for Rudy as a starter. Draymond, my fellow Spartan dog, is, I mean, defensively, like, again, we don't need to talk about how good Draymond is defensively for the best defensive team in the NBA. And who is, and Luka's been, I mean, slow start, but that Dallas team is, is really surging. Um, I think they're one of the better defensive teams, too, over the last uh a couple weeks maybe month or something like that uh but i mean luca's just been luca especially as of late he's played himself into shape as he tends to do and he looks just a lot better and it's a no-brainer for me he's averaging 25 9 and 9 like it's (laughs) he's ridiculous dude it's hard to get past that like it's the same with james harden in the east right like yeah it's hard to get past 26 10 and 8 (laughs) like you can't like you can complain about guys playing themselves into shape, but then when they play themselves into shape, they're like fucking God mode. So right. I mean... there are a few better once these, once these guys want to start giving a shit it, uh, yeah. there are a few better. Nah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Rudy. Yeah, fine. Like I'm good with Rudy. Rudy's been one of the best defensive players in the NBA this year. I had him second on my all defense ballot that I did with Fred Katz a little while ago. Um, you know, 16 points, 15 rebounds, 70% from the field. It's, you know, he's one of the best centers in the league. 
Yep. And you, I mean, I got to witness kind of firsthand how really bad, I mean, it's not a secret how bad the Jazz defense can be when he's not on the floor. Like, you, I mean, you were tweeting about that game. Cade just was had his way, just obliterated. The, their perimeter defense was atrocious. So, um, yes, they, Rudy, as as people know, as much as they dislike him, and that's why he's not a starter for for whatever reason, um, is his impact is it's you can't even deny it. You can't. He's a, he's an NBA All Star and should be um, until we see a blip in his defense, which I don't think we're anywhere near seeing. Uh, by the way, Cade Cunningham over his last 23 games, 18 points, five rebounds, six assists, one steal. Uh, he's got the turnover number under control. He's down to three and a half. And he's shooting 45, 41, 83. Cade and Cunningham I think he's sh- good at basketball. Yes. And I think he's shooting like, I got to double check, but it's like mid 50s on pull up threes, like over the last like three weeks or just something absurd. You, you um, give him that like right to left step back sidestep three. It's like automatic for him. Yes, he's he's, he's a such player. a rhythm player. Yeah, he's fun to. I've I've enjoyed covering him. Yeah, okay. great kid too. Oh, just the nicest. Like, but most like serious and like emotionally intelligent. Like yeah. leader. Like, but also Raised like well. a good person. Yeah, yeah. No, all of it. All of it across the board. Yep. Okay, um, my two wild cards for the West. This came down to three spots for me. I considered guys like, or three for two spots. I considered mm-hmm. guys like DeAndre Ayton and Jaron Jackson. I considered guys like Chris Stops. I considered Paul George, who has missed a lot of time this year. Yeah. Um, I, I the the pool of players to consider this year is just much lower. It, mm-hmm. It's just very very low in terms of like. Who do you need to even think about? Like, I guess that we could have thrown Brandon Ingram in here, but like, they're not awesome. Like, they're not very good. And he hasn't been so overridingly good to where I would take him. Um, If we're going with a player from a not very good team in the West, and there are more like disaster teams in the West than there are in the East, my, I, um, one of these three for two spots, guys, that I have is Dejounte Murray. I was hoping that's who you're going to say. We're we're on. I'm. I think we should lock that one in. You want him in? Yes. Okay. Well, it's, okay. if you're down. I had him. My last guy out. I oh, I'm not I feel mad bad. At you. I get it. I get it. I so the the other guy worth considering here that I didn't real like. I sort of kind of thought about, but not really. Um, was Anthony Edwards. Um, mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards is averaging 23 points a game, 45% from field, 37 from three, 80 from the line, five ter- or five rebounds per game, three and a half assists, three turnovers. I, I think that you can make a reasonable case for Anthony Edwards. I think that if you're picking a wild card off of the Timberwolves, you take Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. So I Towns was one of my wild cards. I'm, I, I was when you first named off the the list that you didn't you hadn't said him so I was like I hope he says him because I was going to say him so I agree I, I think Cat's had a good year I mean he's yeah I mean, we we know how good Cat is I like I like that pick yeah uh, great passing year for Cat uh, obviously just as efficient as he's ever been he's shooting fifty one percent from the field he's shooting forty one percent from three eighty one from the line twenty four and ten like he's been awesome. 
Chris Finch has really done a great job of kind of unlocking what makes him so good. Uh, you know, to me, like Carl Towns, uh, I'm in on the All-Star. The other guy I have is Donovan Mitchell. Donovan I Mitchell like. is averaging 25 points a game <laughs> and five assists. And I know that he is not the most efficient guy in the world, but he is, especially this year, as Mike Conley has just been a little bit worse. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell has been tasked with creating a lot more out of ball screens, and he's done so very efficiently. Uh, he is one of the most efficient creators out of ball screens in the NBA this year. Um, I know the defense gives some people some consternation. I get it. The case for Donovan Mitchell is that I, I, over him, him versus DeJounte Murray, I think teams are just more worried about Donovan Mitchell than they are DeJounte Murray. Like, DeJounte does so much of his damage in transition uh, that he's gotten a lot better when the game slows down. And again, he would be my 13th guy. So if someone gets hurt here, knock on wood, hopefully no one does. DeJounte would be my guy that I would add in. Um, and frankly, like DeJounte probably had his spot taken by Andrew Wiggins in the starting lineup. And <laughs> yeah. I feel like a little bit bad about that for DeJounte. Yeah. But I think that he is just not as effective or impactful as Donovan Mitchell is in the half court. And that makes him just a bit less of a valuable guy um, no, whenever you're trying to come up with a you know team like this. I think that is fair. I think some of – and it's I don't know what it is with Utah. I think a lot of it is uh, fatigue as to why – like even me, like I got sucked yeah. up into it. like. Donovan is averaging he's at that threshold I think that it's fatigue from them to be honest well that too like I think the team is a little bit fatigued don't you yep yeah they need they need a shake up too um that'd also be a great Jeremy Grant landing spot if they had the stuff to do it but um yeah I think there there's just a little there is fatigue there and with Donovan, and I feel bad that like I voted for Rudy as a starter, and then I'm like saying, "Well, does Utah deserve to?" I like the newness of De- Dejounte Murray, and I'm really. In- I was like, when it comes to reserves, I re- that's like when the fan mode kicks in because I like really enjoy watching Dejounte. I love watching Donovan too, like 25 and the, the stat lines he have are at that threshold we were talking about. The Jazz are still a, a good basketball team, um, so I don't think there's any like. Like you said, he's got to do more, even more. Um, the they've had a weird that roster is weird, and this season has been weird for them. Like I don't really know. I think maybe it is just like they need like some freshness, and that would solve it. Like just even like some type of uh, whether it's Bogdanovich or somebody, um, a deal probably should be done. Um, but it made me like feel bad that I didn't, I wasn't like beating the drum for Mitchell. Like he's had a really good year. He has to do more. The Utah Jazz are still a good team, uh, but I was like, Dejounte Murray's been fun and she's new, and I voted for Rudy, <laughs> so I felt like I did my due diligence. But you're right. Like I wouldn't, no way at all. I would argue with that. And Utah's still like a top, yeah, I can- six offense, and he's the. One that stirs the drink. Yeah, I guess the like with 
with DeJounte, like I, I love watching him play. I think he's a really great defender as well. Like I think all of yep. that really lines up. It's just when it's I a watch the level two of guys, basketball. Like, yeah, it is. It really is. Like it's yeah. it's the difference between a guy that like when the game slows down and it changes, like I feel a lot more comfortable with Donovan Mitchell with the ball in his hands than I do DeJounte Murray. And that's not a slight on DeJounte. No. He's developing, he's getting better. Like it's his leap this season, I think puts him in the conversation for most improved player in the NBA. Yep. But it, it's this Utah team, like we we talk shit about it, and it's they're still thirty and nineteen. Like they still have the <laughs> yeah. third best net rating in the NBA. They beat teams by an average of seven points for one hundred possessions. Right? Like yep. they're they're a buzzsaw. It's just the problem is that I agree with you. They need an infusion of like new life mm-hmm. to just like kind of change the like shit around the team. It feels like right now. Yeah. And yeah, you know, look. It's it's hard to be around the same group of guys, I feel like, for as many years now as Utah has had those guys around and had like the same level regular season success and then playoff yeah. failure. Like yeah. I'm sure that that gets frustrating, creates its own set of issues. Like um It's different last night, if there like if there was a breakthrough, right? Like we saw when Portland yeah. Portland snuck and got to the Western Conference final, like Things have gone south since then, but like there was a little rejuvenation the year after. Like that was a group that had been together for a while. I, I agree. Like there, there's some staleness yeah. there. Yeah, and I should mention too, like another guy that I looked at was Shea Gilgis Alexander, because I love Shea. Right. Yeah. Um, just, just the efficiency numbers aren't good enough at the end of the day. Like he's just not having a good enough scoring season um, to make up for some of the defensive issues that he also has, uh, just in terms of being skinny. Um, mm-hmm. And look, they're 14 and 33. Like, I don't think we need to reward them for a bad season. So, like, you know, I I didn't mention Shea earlier, but I want to make sure that, like, people know that, you know, he's in the conversation, certainly. Um, You know, I don't think I could quite get Halliburton in the conversation. I don't think I could quite get, like, any of these Portland guys in the conversation. Um, You know, even though, like, look, Damian Lillard's played 29 games and averaged 24 and 7, right? But I think... He's, you can't get him in there. He's not the same no. guy right now with that ab injury. No. All right. The West yeah, was a little bit easier. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel the same about Paul George, too. Just And yeah. it's not his fault. It's just the amount of games missed. Yeah, like Paul George would have been like the easy pick for me. It's just right. that you know he's played half the season so far. And when he played, like he wasn't the most efficient guy. And part of that was because of the amount of like shit that was on his plate. Uh, Mm -hmm. He has to create so much for that Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard. But, you know, below average in terms of efficiency this year. Um, Turnover numbers are actually up for him this year. You know, whenever you play half the games, you basically have to be perfect, I think. And while Paul George has been phenomenal, he hasn't been perfect. Nope. Agreed. Wes much easier. Yeah, Wes was much easier. James. Anything else going on? Like, what, what do we need to talk about here? Anything else? Ah, oh, man. I don't think so. We've covered... I'm trying to think anything crazy going on. No? All-stars? People yelling about Wiggins? We talked deadline? I think that's it. it. I think we did. Can I make a... Can I stake, can I stake a, a, a draft take right now? The floor is yours. Benedict will be the best pro. 
Ooh. When the dust settles. Pitch. I'm, Let's I'm, go. I want to hear the pitch. I'm all in. Let's do it. I'm all in. I don't know why I'm all in, but I just have fun watching the kid play. I do too. What worries me a little bit is like he doesn't have that inherent creativity off the bounce. A lot of it's like straight line, yeah. jump stop into floaters, or like just pulling up from three, right? Yeah. Um, doesn't he's improved as a passer this year? Doesn't quite have like the passing level yet, but mm-hmm. I think I've seen some stuff I've liked. Yeah. yeah, when it comes to his passing, like I've seen just I've seen some stuff I've liked, but I agree it's not all the way there. Yeah, he's very direct with his game. Yeah, not like you said, not a lot of wiggle. Uh, Almost in a good way, though. Like no, in terms of yeah. being direct with his game. Yeah, agreed. I, I, that I'm gonna that's ridiculous. I'm gonna eat my words. It's like when I said Marshawn Brooks is the next Kobe. Um, everybody's wrong every now and then. Uh, even though I stand by, and somebody tweeted this, somebody tweeted this at me. Uh, uh, I said I had like redug up the Marshawn Brooks take from when I was in college or high school or something, and yes. somebody's like, "Well, Marshawn Brooks is Kobe in China, so you like you weren't totally wrong. He's averaging like forty over there, right?" Like, here's the thing, for me and you, like, because what, James, you're what, like twenty seven, something like that. I wish I'll be thirty in March. Yeah, so I turned thirty two in April, right? Okay. People don't understand that, like, people like you and I, we grew up like on Twitter. So, yes. like, we have, like, fucking, like, I, I've cleaned out my Twitter history because I yeah. don't like dealing with, like, the fucking bullshit that people will, like, spout back troll. at you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just, like, troll. Like, it's just not good for my mental health, to be honest. Right. Um, but what uh, what ends up happening is that we have these takes from when we're in college, that <laughs> when we were really dumb. Yeah. And 100%. people... Like think that like it stands for anything, and right. you know it's uh, it's tough. It's real. I tough. was eighteen, downing Heinekens three yeah, times right. a day in my dorm room when I tweeted Marshawn Brooks is the next Kobe. Oh my god! But everybody loved yeah. Marshawn Brooks. I don't know what happened. I mean, my my favorite Brooks Marshawn Brooks story is like the wrong Brooks getting traded that one that's, time. Do you remember oh, that? So yeah, that was. I'll never forget that because that was during – was that during Summer League? No, was that in season? I can't. I think it was in season. I feel like reason. we were like all the – yeah, maybe you're right. Yes, I, I will always remember that. That was insane. It was hilarious. <laughs> Miscommunication. Like, were they just on the phone? Yeah, we'll take Brooks too. Well, we yeah, have two. Like, yeah, Give them the worst one. Here. They Come didn't on specify. How, how, do you, how do you fuck that up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I mean, need look, a, like, yeah, I need – I need a story and, on it, like an oral history of that that day. I kind of do too. Maybe uh, maybe that's a story to write at some point. Okay. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe. James, tell the people what you've got going on in your life. Uh, what do you have on the website? I know you just wrote a really cool story on Isaiah Stewart. I want you to be yes. able to direct people to it. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at JL Edwards III. Uh, if you're a Pistons fan or not, uh, I'm at the on the Pistons tab at The Athletic. Yeah, I just wrote um story about isaiah stewart everybody knows about the motor but like he's a really studious guy as well uh what else have i done uh yeah just a bunch of random stuff if you want to read about a fan who went and saw the pistons play at every road arena you can do that if you want to read about trade stuff you can do that if you're i don't know if you just are bored just go ahead click on the pistons tab follow on twitter um appreciate you for having me sam of course, James. Uh, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Like I said, we are. Uh, I've got a big board up. Uh, I 
tag teamed with a bunch of our uh, college writers to talk about the Chris Mack thing at mm-hmm. Louisville, which uh, was a mess, as Matt Penny <laughs> and I talked about last time. Uh, what do I have coming up? I'm starting to work on rookie rankings. I have like a first pass of rankings. Um, I'm starting to work on some of that. And then I should have a trade story uh, with some close friends of this program uh, coming up next week. But until then, and until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.